This is Metal Mike, and in this episode of the 80s Glam Metalcast, I talk to an amazing vocalist, songwriter, and musician from Freely's Comet, Todd Howard. We revisit his time playing with Ace in the Comet. We talk about his recent and upcoming projects. Check it out. Well, Todd, welcome to the 80s Glam Metalcast. How you doing tonight? Mike, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. I'm uh, just recuperating from uh, eight days in Lake Havasu, Arizona, on the boat, the motorhome, and and uh, did a, a great vacation there. And now back to work and work, 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 work. So, uh, <laughs> what have you been doing with yourself? What kind of work are you doing musically? <clears throat> musically, at the moment, I am working on three solo CDs again where I'm playing all the instruments, including drums, and writing and singing, producing, of course. Uh, because it's fun, well, it used to be fun, now it's more of a pain in the butt, it takes forever to do things, but uh, <laughs> it, it's a, a goal, of course, that I do. Um, I set myself for goals, and I go for them. The first record is a very heavy, big rock uh, CD comp- composition. The second one is kind of like an adult contemporary, I, I hate to say, say easy listening, but it's more around acoustic guitars and piano and that type of thing. And the third record is uh, going to be acoustic famous Comet songs that I wrote and or sang for the Comet. So I'm trying to do all three of those and working on my autobiography as well. So wow, man, you've got a lot going on right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much the uh, wild monkey in a single monkey circus. <laughs> well, let's go back to last year. You did some touring with some past uh, Freely's Comet members, John Regan and Richie Scarlett, under the name Return of the Comet. Whose idea was to put that together, Todd? That was actually, uh, it wasn't too far-fetched from an idea that John had a long time ago. And actually, John and I had spoken about it maybe about six, seven years ago, about maybe trying to get something together with Richie, you know, because it's the Freely's Comet alumni. If... Uh, if Ace didn't want to do anything. But this this uh, last year's incarnation actually came about by way of a man named Tommy Higgins, who is a, a real good businessman in the music world. He works for Aerosmith. As a matter of fact, I've known him for about 16 years, uh, only by through the phone, because uh, he had contacted me many years ago about possibilities of me being involved with Aerosmith. And anyhow, he had gotten a hold of John and Richie and then called me about trying to do this Return of the Comet. And it was his idea to put it together. And we had he had an idea about a drummer, and we came up with uh, using Steve Budgie Werner because Steve uh, Werner had played with, with Ace Fraley after I did in a, in a few of the bands, including with uh, Richie Scarlett. So it was a lot of fun. Uh, Richie and I got to know each other real well. I flew out to, see, to visit and hang with him uh, for three days at his place, and we, we had a blast just getting to know each other, and, and we have a lot of similarities, uh, even though the music styles are different, a lot of consistent similarities, and uh, we, we really had fun with it. Unfortunately, it didn't go as far as we wanted to, but we gave it a shot. Uh, is that something that you'd consider doing again, you know, when you're able to tour again, or you think it's over, or what are your thoughts? Well, I think any momentum we had on it, the investment has been shot to hell because of uh, the the coronavirus, of mm-hmm. course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but after the Kiss Convention, in or the pre-party Kiss Cruise in Florida, 
I decided to take a break from it because I really wanted to pursue and work on my solo stuff. Sure. And then uh, it was presented to us to do maybe some shows in New York and Europe. And so we were getting ready to sign those deals. And the next day, um, the, uh, the lockdown started. And John and I, John Regan and I had spoken about it. And he said, you know, I'm just not really sure we should sign these contracts. I said, you know what, maybe we better wait. And I'll be damned if the next day, you know, we uh, we didn't sign it and the the duty hit the fan. Yeah, definitely. You know, I watched some videos. I wasn't able to catch it in person, but I watched some videos on YouTube. And it sounds great. And it's really cool to see you uh, or hear you do the Ace Freely songs, like sing his vocal. That, that had to be different. Yeah, it was fun. I did that a few times when I was recording or playing with, touring with, with Freely's Comet. Ace would... Uh, I would sing a couple of songs off the first album or the second one that he sang because he didn't really want to sing everything. Or you know, we we split the vocals up because that's just the way Ace really wanted it. Because mm-hmm. he he needed to sing, he wanted to sing some songs because that's his identity as well. But you know, I was put on put in with the band because I'm songwriter and lead singer, so it worked out fine for me to take a couple of his tunes. And then we did the Return of the Comet. It was kind of Kind of, kind of a natural feeling. Just you know, sang some songs that Ace would have sung, and I, you know, I had a lot of fun with it. It, it uh, the challenging part for me was when we did Breakout. You know, I uh, before Return of the Comet actually with another band, I did all of Ace's solos, and yeah, I can play leads, but I'm not really an over overly uh, strong lead player. I mean, not a strong lead player, but an avid lead player. And Ace, Ace's style, and my style are completely different. So like, okay. This is challenging, you know, but had a lot of fun with it. And uh, Return of the Comet had a great time with all the the old Comet tunes. You know, one thing for sure uh, is your voice is still intact. I mean, uh, are, are you blessed or what? Uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's. I had a great run with Four by Fate. The first three three shows with with uh, with uh, Return of the Comet, I was just coming off of influenza laryngitis if oh. you can believe that it was horrible i could hardly i mean it's only doing 50 60 percent capacity in my vocals and it was just horrifying to me uh that, that you know that was taking place so i wasn't all too thrilled about those performances the band did real good you know john and richie and 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 uh, steve budgie Warren were just smoking and i was concerned about my vocals but then the last half of our shows I was just ripping. I was dead on. I'd never sang better in my life. So let's talk a little bit about the uh, Four by Fate album. That's a cool album. It's pretty heavy. Um, you think you guys ever do another one? Or uh, yeah, uh, it was it was a lot of fun. It was, as a matter of fact, we I took a couple songs that I had slated for my solo uh, effort that I'm doing now and just put them into the Four by Fate. the The whole Four by Fate idea was a reunion band. For Fraley's comment, and Ace decided he didn't want to do it um, for you know reasons that he's entitled to. And so John and I thought, well, you know, what do we want to do? What do you want to do? And so we, a couple of the friends uh, and business associates, uh, get in there, Danny Stanton and Mitch Lafon, and they said, well, you should do like you know a, a uh, Kiss Fraley's comment thing, or interjects you know some of your own stuff. And, and see what you can do with it. So we got Stet Howland from uh, Wasp on drums, and then we also got Sean Kelly from Canada, who played with Crash Kelly and, and a few other artists, 
to come down and do some shows with us. And we put the band together, and it shaped up pretty quickly. It wasn't quite like I thought it was going to be, but then it shaped to be pretty damn good. A lot of incarnations in the band. I, I wanted it to be melodic heavy. You know, John likes a lot of different types of material, as do I. But for this thing, we want it to be heavy. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, it turned out to be so heavy that Sean Kelly, who's a, a big fan of Fraley's Comet and, and Ace Fraley and Kiss, an incredible guitar player. He, uh, once halfway through the record, he said, you know, I'm just, this is just a little heavier than I thought it was going to be. I, I'm not sure I could be a part of it. <laughs> so, you know, he bowed. He's still a good, good friend, a good uh, musician, and a good player. And he bowed out, and we got in Pat Gasparini, who's an incredible songwriter and, and lead player and, and a great singer, too. One interesting thing that happened when, when you guys were doing Four by Fate is you, you did, I think it was one of those Kiss Cruise Bon Voyages or whatever you want to call it, and uh, Vinnie Vincent was there. Yeah. What was that like? Yeah, that was an interesting, it was interesting. I, ne- I never really knew that much about Vinnie. Uh-huh. I, I never you know, followed a lot of Kiss stuff, you know, growing up here in, in San Diego and then L.A., California generally. I moved to San Francisco with 707. I was never into the East Coast style of stuff music that was that was coming out then, you know, or the Ramones, uh, Kiss, and, and actually there was a lot of bands I did like, but I was never a big Kiss fan with exception to the marketing and the stage show mm-hmm. of what they did. I thought that was brilliant, you know. And they do have some songs that have grown over, grown on me over the years where, you know, I like them far better now than, than when I was, you know, they first came out in the late 70s. But as far as Vinnie Vincent, I knew his replacement. I'm, I'm known a lot of the history of all the KISS players because you know, I've, I've been surrounded by a lot of them and people that played with them over the years. And But I didn't know Vinny. Uh, I knew very little about his history with the band. And then when he, when he was going to play on stage with us, I guess it was directed that he should do some songs with us because, you know, we, we could pull off pretty well. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, very complimenting, and I thought that was, it was good. Um, it was a surprise to me. I didn't really know what to expect. And he came in, and he wasn't very boisterous or, you know, pretentious or anything. He had a, a bunch of people with him, that his entourage, that I guess you would have when you're of that stature. He played with Kiss, and Kiss, and you're a lead guitar player. He was doing his, the, part of the Kiss convention down there, uh, or the, part of the Kiss Cruise uh, pre, pre-party signing and that, that type of thing, appearances. So it was fun to do some songs with him. We did uh, two that he was involved with, and then one of ours, I believe. And I, I expected him to, you know, to play and rip on some solos, but uh, he deferred to Pat, our, our guitar player, to, to uh, do the solos. And uh, you know, overall, I thought it was you know, a lot of fun. I thought it was good for the fans. The fans, you know, their faces lit up in the crowd. They were so happy to see it. And you know, when he gets down to it, that's the most important thing. Yeah, and that's funny you mentioned that about the solos because that's something that I've been wondering about because, you know, in his day in Kiss and in Vinnie Vincent Invasion, he's always been known as a shredder. And in all the appearances that I've seen him in, there hasn't been a ton when he's played, I don't hear any solos or any shredding or anything like that. So I almost wonder, can he still, does he still have it? I guess we'll, we got to wait to see. <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I did hear from another a, a fan that had, had uh, or actually a fan and the interview that I did, he did see and hear him play somewhere else, and he said he just he just cut it up, and then he asked, you know, why he didn't he didn't do that when he was playing with us for by fate, and, and Vinny's response was just uh, out of respect for them, huh. let them do the showcasing, which is considerate, and I, and I appreciate it, but we would have all been 
you know, far too welcome to, you know, hear him, you know, kick some ass up there on stage. But it was his decision, his, uh, his guest spot, and, and uh, you do what you do when you do it. Yeah, well, looking back uh, on Fra- Fraley's comment, what are you, uh, if you had to pick a favorite out of the two albums you're on, what, what's your favorite? Well, you know, it, that's hard to, it's like deciding on your children, you know. Right. Yeah, I've heard that before <laughs> from <laughs> others. <laughs> which, which one pissed me off today? I, I don't really have a favorite. Of course, I'm going to go to the second sighting because I got to write more, or you know, it was a good thing I was writing more because they didn't have any material, had very little material to put on there. Uh, and of course, that created a big controversy that I was trying to take over the comet, which is a bunch of bullshit. That never was the case. Uh, and plus, I couldn't. I wasn't in Kiss. Ace was in Kiss. Mm-hmm. But the first album was fun because it was new, novel, and people were expecting it. And it had the energy and positivity that Ace put into it from the start. And I just, I just don't have a favorite. I mean, it's just both albums represent, you know, a very proud spot in in my musical career. And and I'm, and along with Life Plus One, I, I'm just, I, I'm evenly thrilled by all three of them. It was a very good, you know, I was only in the band about a year and a half from the, from late '86, December '86, actually. So I recorded in January '87 with them, and uh, I I had to I left the band in middle of '88, so just a year and a half. I I kind of gravitate, especially now, to a second sighting. I think it's an underrated album. I know the first album obviously is, is great. I mean, Into the Night, Rock Soldiers are iconic songs, but I think if the whole album, I think Second Sighting is just a better overall album. Uh, and what's funny is uh, I've just wrote a couple thoughts down. One thought was, you know, when I was a kid and I was big into Kiss, you know, I always wanted to hear the Ace songs, you know. And now, oh, yeah. now with you know going back and as an adult, I'm like, man, Todd's songs are awesome. I, I love those songs. You know what I mean? So it's funny how your taste <laughs> change and your point of view changes over the years. But I, I think Second Sighting is killer, man. Really. Oh, thank you. I, I appreciate that. You know, and I get a lot of people that say that because. Over the 30-plus years that, you know, I've, I've experienced and listened to things, I, I get it, too, because a lot of people were, were into Kiss or into Ace and his style and, and his character, and, and as it should be, thank God, because otherwise it wouldn't have been a Fraley's Comet. But when I joined the project, I was really into heavy, dark stuff as far as writing. Mm-hmm. And the only problem is with that, when I start singing, it no longer sounds heavy or dark, you know, <laughs> because I'm not that type of singer. Right. So it, it, and I'm having the same issue with the songs I'm writing now. Well, not the same issue, but songs I'm writing now are just balls-to-the-wall type sound and production. And I start singing, well, there goes the nuts on that tune. But the, the funny <laughs> thing is that when I was writing the songs for Fraley's Comet, I wanted them to be heavier, but I didn't think it really fit Ace's style mm-hmm. because his songwriting isn't is so heavy as it's more anthemy. So I was experimenting with the first first record. You know, I, I contributed a few tunes, uh, and then the second one, I, I you know wrote half of the album. But I really wanted to find a heavier meld for both Ace and me, and that's what I was hoping for. Had there been another third Fraley's Comet record, I I really wanted to stay in New York with Ace and let's let's write some really heavy shit that really showcases your ability and showcases the band as a band. But it never came to pass, unfortunately. Did what happened with Second Sighting? Did he kind of check out? Why didn't he have the, the material? Why did you have to step up so much? Well, well, he was sick a lot. The second Second Sighting was actually kind of rushed into mm-hmm. production. Uh, when we did the first record, uh, we did you know some touring and that went real well. Then we did the live EP with Anton Fig when he had two weeks off from David Letterman and he came in 
and did the the, uh, the show with us. And right after that, uh, we had uh, got Jamie Aldaker back in there. Um, and then uh, after that, we wound down a little bit. I think we were just trying to get to the next point, keeping the momentum going by getting out second sighting. Well, Ace, he had a bronchitis real badly during the beginning of that. And he didn't have a lot of songs prepared, written, or co-written, or however he does that, or did that back then. It's different, different now. And I was, you know, I was a madman writing songs all the time, as I am now, because that's just what I do. I, I'm constantly writing songs, and it's it's a sickness that I just can't get rid of. <laughs> and, I, you know, sometimes you come up with good ones, sometimes you don't come up with good ones. But, unfortunately, he just didn't have enough songs to put in there. And he was, you know, great graceful enough uh, to just say well let's you know let's put Todd's tunes in there and I'll, I'll crank some leads and sing some parts and and uh, we'll make the best of it and you know it it uh, it could have gone better I guess but it, it could have gone a lot worse I was just looking I was already looking towards the next the third record mm-hmm. well let's talk about that for one second so what happened why did you end up being out of the band I mean why didn't you get the chance to work on the third one well, there's been a lot of print, a lot of rumors, a lot of interviews about it. And the honest truth is, after Second Sighting, and we were on tour with Iron Maiden, and we ran out of money, uh, touring money, finances, we all flew home. Uh, the label decided that for the next record they were committed to doing, they wanted to have Ace sing and write everything. Well, that left me with nothing to do or no money to earn. Sure. Because... When you're not touring, you're earning either publishing, you know, writers, or performance royalties. And if I'm not going to write or sing on anything, if I'm not going to write, I'm not earning anything. Uh, it wasn't my record deal. It was Ace's record deal. And if I'm not going to sing, it really doesn't showcase anything for me except for you know, a hand slap and a face slap, and I'm back in the background again. And I had pretty much had enough of that with all the other bands I've been with. Not that I was ungrateful for you know, 707, Nugent, and Cheap Trick, but... It was just, you know, taking a step backwards, like, I just don't want to do this. So I called up Ace. I said, Ace, I, I, uh, I've, got to, I've got to bow out. I, I can't do this, be just a guest, you know, image on the next record without contributing. And he told me, so, well, I, you know, I really wish you wouldn't leave. And I said, well, I, I really don't want to go, but I feel like I have no other choice. I figured I had to take another gamble, go out on my own, see if I could get a solo deal, of which I eventually did get. But then uh, grunge came in and kicked everybody's ass. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I think that's nice about the, the two albums you're on is it's a nice balance. because, And this is no offense to Ace because I love Ace. I love Kiss. But I think sometimes Ace's voice, you only need it in small doses. And same thing with Gene Simmons. It's like you don't necessarily want a full album of Gene Simmons, a full album of Ace Freely. It's nice when you can kind of bounce back and forth between another vocalist. And I think that you kind, of, you guys kind of had the, the Paul and Gene thing going on where like you're kind of playing the role of Paul Stanley and he's the role of Gene when it comes to vocals. You're carrying up the higher end of the of the singing and you know he's got his own more of a, a distinct character type of a voice. Do you agree with that? or? Yes, very much so. You hit the nail on the head and I think that was I think that I know that was Ace's intention I think that he was coerced or persuaded to want to sing more want to record more but he knew he knew he wasn't a lead singer and he mm-hmm. said that he just he had a character and, and you're right it's and it was very important to put his character on some songs but it the balance should have been it should have been like a third me two thirds as far as vocals mm-hmm. go because you're still showcasing Ace's ability to smoke on guitar. 
And matter of fact, we had one producer, I think it was Andy Johns, that we approached it before second sighting. And Andy Johns said that uh, he wasn't going to produce us unless, you know, the blonde guy sang everything. <laughs> the blonde guy was me. You know, but the, it, it, it does make a nice balance. And you're right. You don't want one, in this kind of band, you don't want one guy singing everything. It's When you mentioned about listening to, to the eight songs and then my songs on the records later, it was the same. When I was younger, I used to listen to Sticks. And the only tunes I wanted to hear was Tommy Shaw's because they, they're the ones that had the nuts to them, you know, all, <laughs> yeah. at least back then. So it's like, hey, I'll just skip over these other tunes here and get to Tommy Shaw, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, it is, it's the combination, and, and tastes are subjective, and everybody has a different taste and what they like and what they want. Ace was the lead guitar hero. I'm the lead singer. I mean, that's, that's just the way I envisioned it, and I, I'd hoped that it, it would uh, would have continued. What'd you think of Trouble Walking? Um, I think um, there was some good stuff on it. I wasn't my cup of tea musically. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Richie Scarlett had cool stuff on there, and Richie Scarlett's guitar playing is phenomenal. Uh, he's got a style, of course, anybody who's familiar with him knows he just he rips on guitar, and, and uh, he's, he's got some good stuff. His singing style is very, you know, very rough and tumble, you know, Tom Waits sounding, and you know, I mean, I, when I first heard him sing, I was like, what is this? And then later on, I went, well, this is actually kind of cool. Because <laughs> 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 devil when he sings, you know. And, and it, it was fun playing in Return of the Comet because we play a joke off that. And, you know, two different characters, which makes it fun for people to focus on. Now, does it just blow your mind that you're going to be part of this Kiss family forever? Because, like you said, you didn't really weren't really into Kiss, you know, coming up through music. But man, you're always going to be associated with it. You'll always be welcome at a convention. It's really kind of cool. Uh, it is very cool. It, it, yes, it is. You are right, and I'm not just because I wasn't in the Kiss back then, and and you know, I, I don't have them on rotation now. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that I don't respect, and I'm not proud of being part of that family tree. Thank God for that because they they elevated me to a, a status that I would have never achieved, uh, you know, without Fraley's Comet. And I built that off of uh, the bricks, building bricks with Nugent and Chief Trick and, and my first band, 707. But it is very cool. And I will always have a uh, very high place in regard for the business and the band and a lot of the music for Kiss. I mean, I met Gene. Simmons in 1979 when I was, no, I'm thinking, like 1980 when I, I was playing with the band in L.A. with two of the guys that were in the band went on to play bass for, for Cheap Trick. That's how that got to happen. Mm-hmm. But uh, we were auditioning for Diana Ross to, to warm up for her in one of her shows in L.A. And, of course, Diana Ross and Gene Simmons came to SIR to hear us play. And Gene took notice of me, you know, saying my ass off and playing keyboards and guitar. It was like, Wow. You're doing everything up there, and he remembered me years later when I saw him again with Fraley's Comet. Wasn't that wild? It was unbelievable. Yeah, very wild. Well, what do you want to say to all your fans out there in closing, Todd? Well, I want to tell everybody thank you so very much. I know there's there's some silly misinformation out there about a lot of things. You know, the thing that, you know, I, I, I was fired from Fraley's Comet. Not that it matters, but the truth is I was not fired. You know, like Richie Scarlett and I hate each other, and that was never the case. Right. You know, we, we'd only talked and met very, very pleasant to each other. Uh, John Regan was responsible for building Fraley's Comet and getting me into the band. Um, 
And, you know, we we have our thoughts and prayers out for Jamie Aldaker. I don't know if a lot of people know, but he's he's uh, in, in trying times right now as far as some uh, some health issues, but he's, he's just hopefully going to get where he needs to be. Um, but without all the fans there that supported us over all the years, and still to this date right now, I, I can't thank you enough because I, I, every day I – I have assets and investments that take care of my, my uh, living needs now, thank God. But I'm still doing music, and I, I do, I'm doing it only for the fact that I know there's people out there that want to hear it, and largely a, part, a lot of those are KISS family uh, fans and friends, and God bless you, and thank you for being there. I'm going to put out some more stuff for you. That's awesome. Well, hey, Todd, thanks for the conversation tonight. Mike, thank you so very much, and uh, you take care of yourself out there, as, as should everybody else, all right? Yeah, stay healthy, brother. Wow, that was an excellent interview with Todd. You did hear Todd mention uh, sending prayers out to Jamie Oldacre, and unfortunately, the day after this interview, he did lose his battle to cancer, so prayers out to his family. On a lighter note, I pasted the link below for my new 80s glam metal beatdown where we pit Bach versus Jericho in the ring. This thing even got the attention of Eddie Trunk and was discussed during Trunk Nation on Sirius. So check out the link below, give it a watch, it'll give you a good laugh. Rock on!